Welcome to Moneymaker, the podcast that gives you the tools to enrich your life in every sense of the word. I'm your host, Nelly Galan. Let's get started. Sandra, happy birthday! <laughs> Thank you. Thank tu you cumpleaños, we're in San Miguel de Allende. You're having a party. I always love you because you know how to celebrate our birthdays. Why is it important for women to celebrate nuestros cumpleaños? Well, you know, I think that society makes us ashamed of growing older, but I feel that every year we just become more independent about who we are, and we don't rely on what others think, which is the problem with a male perspective of our aging. It's always about, oh, like they want some young chick. But like someone today made a joke when they called me and said, happy birthday, and they said, uh, congratulations, I know you turned 21. I said, I never want to go through that sorrow again. <laughs> you know, I never want to go through my 20s again. That whole period until I was about 30 was all about looking at how men saw me. I couldn't look in a mirror. If I went down the street and a man didn't look at me, I would think, oh, what's wrong with me? But if a man looked at me, I was okay. So it was all about what men thought and not what I thought. And with the decades, I've become less and less uh, dependent on what others, men or women or other beings think. So I'm very proud to say I'm gonna be 60. I am 64 today. And you look like a million bucks, Thank but you. you're, you're 64 and so... I'm 64 and, and proud. And proud of it. And proud. And I just feel as if we should own every age because the older we get, the more we come into our own power. And a woman in her own power is how I define a chingona. We don't give a damn what other people think. We are our own. We're on our path. And we care about how we feel to ourselves, how we look to ourselves. So I have to ask you because you are, you know, you are my inspiration and you are a wise woman. Sandra, what do you know at 64 that you wish you had known at 20? What are the things all young women, all women should know that they're going to figure out? Well, I like to say that I know a few things más o menos and one thing for sure. And one of the things that I know now at my age is, is that I'm on my camino sagrado. I'm on a sacred path. But before I get a fat head, I realize so are you and everyone else in the universe and every animal and every plant and every pebble and mountain and cloud. And when you understand that, then you take your own life and give it más importancia. Then, you know, you, there's more of an urgency of realizing that you're here on this planet to learn something and you need to focus on that transformation. But it also helps you to be a little more compassionate and generous with other people because we're not in a relay race here. We're in different dimensions on this path. It's not a hierarchy. It's not about me beating you. Everybody's in a different dimension, and that means that sometimes we don't always understand each other's camino sagrado. Uh, I think another thing that I've learned uh, with the years is that the most important thing is about forgiving others and forgiving yourself. So I practice forgiveness with the setting sun. And I think of all the people who are pain in my butt and think about them all. And even though this and this haven't met, I forgive them. And I realize it's a practice. I, this and this have to come together. And then I forgive myself because I'm not the Buddha. I'm just a person and I'm walking towards Buddhahood, I hope, in this lifetime or in several lifetimes. So I just practice that. And you can do that at sunrise or sunset 
and the sun can be your mindfulness bell. The thing I know for sure, I learned writing House on Mongo Street, but I didn't learn it till several years later, maybe a decade after. And that is whatever is made with love on behalf of those we love, siempre sale bonito. Siempre sale bonito. That's a rule of the universe. Whatever is made with love on behalf of those we love with no personal agenda, no ego, no, I want this, no, no ego involved, siempre sale bonito. And that's, I think, a law of generosity. Let's talk about the ego. And what is the ego in our lives? And what is its purpose? And how does it help us? And how does it hurt us? Well, I don't know how it helps us, to tell you the truth, because I feel as if my life is about sidestepping that to do the work I do. Uh, I think of Gandhi and what he said, and the highest work we can do is to be of service. And for me as a writer, that means I have to dissolve the ego every time I sit down. And the way I do that is that I try to honor my ancestors, I try to do work daily, written or spoken, or, or uh, to honor my ancestors that I know and the ones that I never met. I think about them and how hard their lives were. So I want to do work that is going to be something that my father and mother will look at and say, that's why, mija, I'm proud of her. And I also want to be of service because I'm in Mexico and there's so much pain and so much need, so much necesidad in este país. So I want to do something because I don't want to wind up being an accomplice to impotency. Like that's what Elena Poniatowska said after the massacre of Tlatelolco, that she didn't want to be an, an accomplice to impotency. And I think that says it all. When you live here, you're either part of the solution or part of the problem. And for me, you know, that's, I want to be a part of the solution in whatever way, even if it's just changing the life of my employees and their children, or rescuing an animal, or taking care of a plant, or saludando people on the street and telling them, que guapas, or, you know, I always say what I feel now. I'm of an age that people don't think I'm on the make. The women aren't afraid of me, the men are surprised. I'm not trying to be a cougar, I'm just trying to tell them my truth. And I always say if it's something positive to say it to people, you might uplift them from a terrible day. And I just feel that I just want to do the best, be the best human being I can be on a daily basis. Yesterday we were talking about our life stories, and we know that all of our life stories have sadness, have had struggles. I mean, you don't become a writer and then everything just works out. I mean, there are a lot of ups and downs. And a lot, you know, you, you and I have spent a lot of time on the road meeting a lot of women, and they give up. Sometimes they give up. And they can't get up the next day and figure out how to leave a marriage or how to keep going or... How do we do that? How do Nelly, we live we this can't life? always do it alone. And sometimes our families don't help, or the people that are closest to us don't understand or know us. And you and I have gone through deep valleys. Uh, I think one of the things I learned at 33 when I went through my year of my near death was that if I couldn't save myself with the writing, that I had to find professionals who could help me. So a therapist, uh, spiritual intuitives, books about women and depression, uh, health, take, going to a doctor, taking care of myself, uh, and body and spirit. That has been something I've learned since I was 33, that to not be ashamed to say, hey, you know, if I had a, a wound on my body and it didn't heal in nine months, I wouldn't be ashamed to go to the doctor. But we have wounds in our heart that sometimes go nine months without healing, and we're ashamed to go seek a therapist. 
So I think that's something that the years have taught me, that I need to take care of my body and my spirit. If I don't take care of my spirit, it'll come out in my body. I was just saying that this, this morning to my cousin, if you don't transform your demons, your demons will transform you. So it's essential not just to put it off and say, oh, well, time will heal me. No, you have to work and find those people that will help you to heal yourself. It's not something that just comes with time. I think one of the things that you're really exceptional at and that you really help people with is finding their voice as a Latina. Because finally, we've heard a lot of Latinas speak up in these moments of difficulty in our country. Yeah. You know, we had a Latina stop Senator Flake. Uh, yes. and, and we've had... And we had a little Latina uh, for the refugee yeah, That's right. That and the cover of time with that's the president right. and, that changed public That's opinion. right, and the Latina that, that became a congresswoman, the youngest Latina ever, and the Latina that started the Time's Up movement by writing an article to the, 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 New, York, the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal yes. about how Latinas were part of Me Too, and, the, and most of them were farm worker women that really were being abused. So finally, Latinas are speaking up. Can you talk about the importance now that you're 64, why is it important to find your voice, to use your voice? And what is, where are we as Latinas and where do we need to go? Well, when we say Latinas, I have to differentiate between Latinas who have a lot of money and shop at Bergdorf or the Latinas who are cleaning this hotel room, That's you know? Right. And I come from the working class, so I'm gonna talk about working class people, That's whether right. they're black or Latinas or, you know, or men. And to me, it's about the people, poor people, having a voice when we're being silenced by a president that is vilifying the poor, vilifying people who are refugees and making them look like criminals. So this is especially a time when those of us who have a microphone in front of us or are in front of a camera or in any position of power to speak on behalf of what we know. And I think that's part of our Camino Sagrado. You know, each of us has special glasses. We have wounds from our childhood and they were given to us so that we can see others with those wounds. And I feel we have an obligation to serve that wound. That's our community. We have to be activists, because like I say, the, you know, the world are, is a house on fire, and we know that address, and, we, and the people we love are in that house. So I feel it's part of our obligation to be part of the solution to these times, and to speak especially when we have people in positions of power speaking from a place of ignorance. So we need to educate the public in whatever way we can, even if it's just, if we see just one person on the bus being harassed to speak up. And so what is, what is the work that you're doing right now with the Ford Foundation in regard to giving voice to people that don't have a voice? Well, you know, I went to uh, Iowa City and I hadn't been there since I graduated when I was 23. And I had a question about, like, was I writing about the undocumented? And I made some sort of lame excuse and said, well, I really can't write anything I don't, um, I don't know. I can't write about people's lives if I don't know it. And I didn't think that was a good answer. It haunted me. And I thought, you know, I really need to get out of my house. And then the Ford Fellowship came from the Ford Foundation. It's an Art of Change grant, and it's for artists, activists. So I was very honored. I think of all the grants that I've gotten, this is the one that's made a huge impact for me at this time because I want to be of service. So it gave me time to create a project, and the project I created was to interview people across the United States 
on this side of the border and in the U.S. side and interview people who normally don't get a chance to speak. So that's what I've been doing, interviewing ex-Border Patrol agents, uh, people who pick, up, pick the crops in North Carolina, dreamers, people who have their own business, house cleaners, uh, laborers, uh, people who uh, voted for Trump and live in Mexico, uh, people who used to vote for Trump and live in Mexico, all kinds of people that cover that area of the undocumented. So Sandra, what are you still wanting to do? What is the work you're doing and what is the work you're looking to do? You know, Nelly, I don't know what I'm doing. And I always open my interviews by uh, saying I'm interviewing you and I don't know what I'm doing and I thank you for trusting me. I hope I'm going to make something beautiful. I'm in that loss phase, but it's with everything I do that I don't know what I'm doing and I hope that the spirit of these people I'm listening to will help transform me. But the, the thing I'm learning that we're not doing in this time is we're not listening to one another. This is a community that isn't being listened to and the people on the far left are not listening to the people on the far right. So we're in a time in which we really need spiritually to listen to one another. If nothing happens from the project, at least I've been changed because I've learned humility by listening, and I've learned courage by the most humble members of our society, people that are affected by the policies in ways you would not believe are suffering from this, and, and there's been repercussions of families broken up, uh, a son that committed suicide because he couldn't come back to live in the United States, you know, just traumas that you, you, I couldn't invent, I couldn't invent. So I'm very humbled by the project of listening to people this year. It's also allowed me sub-projects by taking the microphone and interviewing my friends like you, interviewing Jorge Ramos, interviewing uh, Edwidge Danticott, Ruth Bahar. Everywhere I go, I take my microphone and I, I do a sub-project for myself. So I think it's taught me to be a better listener, to shut up for a year, and to get my ego out of the way and say, okay, a ver dónde me lleva este proyecto. Let's see where it takes me. I can't say what I'm making. I think it's a chorus of voices. I'm doing it con todo mi corazón, sin ningún agenda personal, and with love. And that's the recipe for something coming up bonito. So, no sé qué va a surgir de esto, but I know que va a salir bon algo bonito. But you've had a couple of great things come out recently, that you, projects that you've been working on, your illustration, Bilingual. Ooh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> so can we? So can we talk about that? Um, my most recent book is a short story that I wrote ten years ago and put away and brought back from Beauty Sleep and been revising, and it's called Pura Amor. It's Sarah Band, the beautiful nonprofit press, published as a little chapbook with the English on one side, the Spanish on the other, and it's so perfect this year because I have friends on both sides of the border, people here. Mexico that I can give the book to. And it's beautifully translated by my colega Liliana Valenzuela, but it features something new, my drawings. And I've always been an artist, even before I was a writer, but most people don't know that. So it's my estreno de mis dibujos, and I'm really happy to share them with everyone. And also you've been performing with Astrid Hadid. I've been performing with Lili, with Liliana Valenzuela and Astrid Hadid. I'll be performing day after tomorrow with Astrid here in San Miguel. It's, so it's kind of like, you know, my dream when I was a little girl, I had this crooked teeth, so I had a crooked smile, not crooked bangs, because my mother would cut them, and then my uniform was all crooked, the moño was like this, so it would always come out like, hmm. I have very low self-esteem, 
and I had no friends. So I always dreamed, oh, if I could only be funny, I could be like Red Skelton, if I could only be a comic, if I could only be an actress, if I could only be, you know, it was always like this dream to be on stage. And now I'm like singing on stage, I'm funny, I'm acting. I haven't danced on stage yet. I haven't <laughs> gone that far because I dance like a burro. But one day, you never know. And so I feel like I'm still growing and now I'm an artist. I keep inventing myself and doing collaborations. Like I'm working with Derek Bramell to do an opera of House on Mongo Street. I'm working with uh, Nancy Traugott to do a series of, of textiles with text called Trapitos. So I'm like, I'm working with Katya Landeros, a photographer. So I'm stretching myself in directions that I wish I had gone on, you know, the road not taken. But I'm doing it all. I'm a comic and an actor and an artist and a textile designer. All the things I wish I could have done, I'm giving myself permission to do now. Which is another great thing about getting older, that you, you're, you're, you finally don't care. Well, you, you meet people and you say, oh, let's play together and do this. And they'll say, yeah, let's do this. And you start collaborating and you're, you realize it's just fun. You're just playing. Felicidades. Moneymaker is a production of Money News Network. Moneymaker is written and hosted by me, Nelly Galan. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. Thanks for listening. See you next time.